Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown 39 and single, can someone help me out? He could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball From gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite I just need sperm, sperm cast Hello! If you're listening to this on the day that I'm releasing it, then you know it's election day. So if you haven't gotten out to the polls yet, get your fucking ass out there. Okay, if you're a new listener, what up? I'm Molly. I'm 40. I'm an actor, writer, podcaster, Airbnb host, photographer, user of crutches for two more days. I've always wanted a husband and kids, but the universe insisted that I figure it out another way. So thanks to you, universe, I've embarked on a quest for a sperm donor and I'm pretty much there. I've narrowed it down to two people, and today you're going to hear who they are and what my plan of attack is. You're also going to learn a lot about fertility and how to get pregnant in this episode. Get ready, male listeners, because you're going to hear more about vaginas today than you have in your entire life. Do I even have any male listeners anymore? If you're out there, fellas, holler at me. I have no idea who's listening these days. Okay, first, for some updates. Amanda is taking me to the dentist tomorrow, and I'm a little freaked out, but I don't know, whatever. I'm scared my jaw's gonna lock up like it did in April. But my psychiatrist said that the Ativan that I'm planning on taking for the anxiety and the potential for panic attack, you know, will not only just relax my brain, but it will probably also relax my jaw a little. So I think I'm gonna be okay. Um, I feel bad for Amanda, though. She's nice. Speaking of Amanda, we interviewed my ex-boyfriend of six whole years. You know, Dan, Benny's father. And that episode is going to be dope, but I'm saving it for next week. For now, I want to start off with my old friend, Andy. You remember Andy, my old roommate from episode three, the one that made me weep? Well, I told him that I picked my donors and that he was off the hook, and he came over and we were just talking about it. Uh, You're going to hear a little bit of a weird tapping noise in the beginning of this. I'm not sure what it was, probably a ghost. Anyway, here we go. So you've decided on a, a someone you want to ask. I've decided on two people. On two men you want to ask for a donation. Yes. You haven't asked them yet. I actually have. Uh, okay. I have asked them. Okay. And they've been on the podcast? Yeah, they've been contestants just like you. Wow. Which? What are their names? <laughs> well, okay. Do you have any idea? Do you know who's been on the podcast? I know. Uh, Jordan, Charles. Okay. Am I close? No. Oh. <laughs> Who else has been on there? Well, mm-hmm. okay. One of them is our friend, Zach Huddleston. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, honestly, I've always adored Zach. He's the best. And he's a, he's, like, this is me immediately. My immediate response to the name is, the guy's 100%. Oh. Because yeah. I have nothing but nice you know, experiences with him. I think he's great, hardworking, kind. Yeah. And ran into him on the street like a year ago, and I was like, that guy's great. Why don't I see him more? Yeah. He's really just a nice, great person. Such a great human. Yeah. Yeah. A lot like you. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) Um, Amazing. So you haven't asked him. I have asked him. You have. And here's where I cut to him. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Zach Huddleston. You remember Zach from episode 14. He's the guy that's got that fruitful podcast. You know, your new favorite podcast that you listen to every week. Anyway, we recorded this a few weeks ago, and as you can hear in my voice, I was kind of nervous to pop the question. Do you know why I've asked you here today? No, I have no idea. (laughs) I can also turn this off. I'm just curious about if I were to... Let's say if you were a top contender, yeah, how would you feel about that? Would you would you be okay with that? Of course, yeah. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. And I just, you know, I've narrowed it down to... Does that mean you're coming close to making your decision for, like, what you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Sure. But you are just so kind and oh, open and not freaked out by the whole thing. So that you're yeah. one of the few people that I am considering if that's okay. Oh, no, but I also don't want to put pressure on you. And I know, I, don't, I know you'd just be doing it for me, which is just so nice of you. Well, but, I mean, hey, it's a mitzvah. Mm-hmm. How nice. I mean, also, there's something serendipitous about, like, the fact that this is coming along when I'm single. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was in a long-term relationship for a long time. And mm-hmm. not that that would have precluded me from being your sperm donor, but it might have made it strange. And, yeah. and, hey, there's part of me, too, that's like, oh, A, you know, you're my good friend, and I would love to see you happy. And, like, to be able to help you do this thing that's very important to you, that would mean a lot to me. And, of course, there's a little bit of me that's like, <laughs> oh, little dude that, or girl that might be a little bit of me. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds cool, you know? Especially, I think the main thing holding me back from wanting parenthood at this point in my life is... It's not not your time yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now, back to Andy. Well, in the podcast, he said, in the podcast, he, uh, at the end when we said, what's what's your willingness to do this on a scale of 1 to 10? He was like, I'm a 10 if you want me to do it, Molly. If that's what you want, then uh, then I'd be happy to help you out. You're a good friend of mine. I don't see why you would want my sperm. Everybody else's sperm is so much better than mine. Okay, yeah, sure, <laughs> he, sure. And then he said about your sperm and Brandon's sperm. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, now and then suddenly, Zach called my phone, and then the recording shut off, so I had Andy record my conversation on speakerphone with Zach. Okay, recording. Now put this in there. Okay, here we go. Hi. Can you hear us? Yeah. Good. I was just telling Andy about you. About <laughs> what? Who I am? No, what? Yes, I was just telling Andy DeYoung that I was I was begging you for sperm. Oh yeah. And I'm thrilled. And I'm yeah begging. And I'm thrilled to hear. And I was I was truly just raving about you as you called. Oh, uh, that's that's too kind. That's too kind. It, um. Well, well, it, Molly, you said like you were gonna tell me about like your plan. What has that changed? No, no, that's my plan. Uh, I mean, I, no, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a schedule and I guess I'll just jump ahead. And so here's what I'm thinking. I ovulated. I'm sorry if this is too much information, No, it's, guys. it's just right. <laughs> <laughs> I ovulated um, like a couple days ago and that means that I'm going to ovulate again in the end of November and, or, or early December and again, end of December, early January. So I'm going to a wedding (laughs) on November 30th. And so I'm thinking, Zach, if you have your genetic testing back by that time and it clears you for cystic fibrosis, that I would love to try at the end of November. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I told you, right, I have that appointment this Friday morning. Yeah. Um, That's just with my general practitioner, so I don't know what they'll be able to do then or, you know, referral or whatever. So I don't know about that timetable, but I'll, I'll know about it by Friday. Yeah, I knew, I know that it's going to be cutting it close and I'm not super uh, hopeful that it's going to happen in time. The other guy uh, who I haven't told Andy about yet is on the East Coast and he's going to be on the East Coast during my late December ovulation. So literally, if he's clear and you're clear, I'm just going to do whoever I'm near when I'm ovulating. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, that, that, that's great news, Molly. I'm glad you said a date. That's, things are real now. Huh? Yeah, it's real. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, thank you, guys. I'm, I'm happy to be part of the process. I guess let me know, Molly, and I'll, I'll let you know how the doctor says it. Okay, thanks so much, Zach. You're the best. Hope to see you soon, Zach. Yeah, good chat with you, bud. Yeah, for sure. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Wow. What funny timing. What funny timing. Wow. Look at him. I hope all that works out. How nice. How nice. What a guy. Okay. So so the second guy. The second guy is... Somebody you don't know, I don't think. His name's Alex McNichol. I met him through Brooke Lindsay. I actually met him or stood behind him at a... Dakota Access 
protest okay. before I met him. Oh, wow, really? And he has a picture of himself like this, and I'm in, in the your background. Behalf. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Wow, okay. That is crazy. I forgot about that. Wow, that's synchronicity. I like that. That is. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alex McNichol. You remember him from episode 5. He's the rock climber and world-famous actor from the HPV commercial. His was the episode where I went to the rock climbing gym and questioned a bunch of strangers. Anyway, Alex is a darn sweetheart. And again, we recorded this a couple weeks ago, and I was pretty nervous. Yeah, so what's going on with you? Well, I'm trying to figure out what to do, and I I, kind of want to gauge where you're at. Um... Like, are you still in the same willingness zone as you were before? Yeah, no, I mean, it's like a constant, like, you know, whenever I think of it, it's like a heavy you know, subject. It's a heavy uh, thing to think about because there's a lot of, like, karmic weight, you know, because I'm like, oh, God forbid that anything terrible happens or that, you know, like something, you know, maybe that the child, you know, um, just, just all the obvious like negative repercussions. It's like, Oh, I would never want any of that to happen. But then it's like, you flip the other side of the coin and it's like, what about all the positive things that could happen? You know? Yeah. Um, cause the way I look at it in the end is kind of like, it's giving a vessel to a soul in a way, you know, it's like being part of, um, creating a, a body that a soul can, inhabit and experience life you know at the end of the day but for the most part it's a really positive thing um i think you know yeah yeah you're such a good thoughtful human being oh thank you thank you yeah i do a lot of thinking (laughs) but yeah where are you at with it what's going on back to andy he's just super chill Mm -hmm. and just also just like zach so nice and open to it and really really kind and thoughtful and but he's out uh shooting something on the east coast right now and he's decided that he might move out to new york okay so and you're gonna be out there i'm gonna be out there in december okay and if i'm ovulating on the 28th 29th 30th whatever yeah and i could hunt him down okay (laughs) and and he's on board he's on board wow amazing how exciting yeah and i sent them both some male fertility vitamins so everything, everyone's being tested yeah. for certain things yeah. you're, now, you're, you're susceptible to or you're just Stuff that I'm a carrier of, cystic fibrosis and gotcha. something called Pompe disease. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, if both of them come back with cystic fibrosis, then I'm going to have to hit you up. I'm third? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. I might put more serious thought into you. I mean, okay. I love, you know, I love the idea of your sperm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Don't feel bad for Andy, you guys. He doesn't want to do it. I'm really letting him off the hook. Now, if you want to hear the rest of my 20-minute combo with Andy, we get into some fun stuff. I'll post it on my Patreon for free. Patreon.com forward slash spermcast. Now, let's move on with the rest of this episode. I had the pleasure of interviewing a women's health nurse practitioner. Her name is Chloe Quinn, and she's going to help me knock myself up. Hello. Hi, Chloe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's so nice to talk to you finally. Yes, it is. I feel like I'm <laughs> like hearing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She's got this awesome business called The Pregnancy Prep, where she helps you if you're having trouble getting pregnant, if you need some help while pregnant, or if you need help and guidance with breastfeeding. Listen up. So tell uh, my listeners what you do. So I was a labor and delivery nurse for about six years, and I knew I just wanted to have more of an effect, just more of an influence on women throughout their pregnancy and not just at the time of delivery. So I went into um, becoming a nurse practitioner, and I studied specifically women's health only. So I just really love women's health. I knew that's where uh, my future would be. Um, So yeah. So I got my women's health nurse practitioner uh, degree and certification, and I worked at Yale University prior to this. And now I kind of want to work for myself. So I started my business. I do fertility coaching, and I have a complete birth and breastfeeding online course. So women can go, yeah, can go there and hop right on and meet with me and get a little bit more time and uh, 
support than they can get in just an office setting, which I feel like you're really limited to like about 10 minutes. So I just jumped right in and started asking her questions. I was sitting there drinking a cup of coffee and I I asked her if it was bad for fertility. Yeah, coffee is a chemical and it's a stimulant. So if you do suffer from anxiety or like, uh, you know, GI upset or something, it's not going to be good. Right. But in terms of babies, yeah. studies show that 250 milligrams of caffeine will do no harm. So they say you can have like a six ounce to 10 ounce, I think, just a, a regular size cup, not um, a 16 giant mug. Well, this is only filled halfway. I think you're okay. But, I mean, you're not even pregnant. So I know, I, I know, like... but what about fertility? Does it decrease your fertility? See, I've been reading this book, The Impatient Woman's Guide to Getting Pregnant, which one of the doulas recommended. And it's a great book, but it's starting to stress me out because I feel like I haven't readied my body enough for pregnancy, that I should have been doing a better job months ago. In the grand scheme of things, what's the safer thing to advise someone? Probably to eat really healthy and organic and no pesticides and no coffee. And I mean, you won't do anyone harm by telling them that. Right. But is it really necessary? Probably not. Right. I don't think the effect of caffeine on your eggs and your your ovaries is going to be beyond the effect of, say, aging or genetics right. or something like that. Yeah. I think you had frozen some eggs. How old were you when you froze those eggs? I had just turned 37. Okay. So that's actually like an optimal age to freeze your eggs because... That's kind of a, a pivotal moment where your fertility really starts to decline at the yeah. age of 37, 37, 38. We are, we're all saying 35 because it starts, it's sort of like very slight downward slope, but it'll pick up speed after the age of 37, stuff like that. So 37 is like perfect. Thank you. Thank you. It didn't, <laughs> I really wasn't planning on it. It just sort of happened out of the blue. I was like, well, I got to fucking do something and I'm not, there's no man in sight. And um, that was smart of you. Thanks. <laughs> it was, you know, I've always wanted kids, so it was definitely a, an insurance policy. But again, like, I still don't have a lot of money, and, and I was always thinking that there would be a man in the picture to help me out with the process once I was down the road at this point. So I don't want to have to use those eggs if I don't have to, which is, you know. So why I'm starting, going to try and start with a home insemination situation. Which is really smart because if you can hold those eggs as a sort of a backup or a, you know, a plan B, mm -hmm. um, plan A really should be to try to get pregnant now with the eggs that you are, that you have. Yeah. Cause you're the, really the potential for a natural pregnancy at 40, it's not that low. It's around 50%. Mm. So you have like a 50, 50 shot. It might even be a, like up to 64%. It depends on what studies you're looking at, but, um, you have a, decent chance at achieving pregnancy. Um, so why not try that first? And then if you truly can't conceive via like more old fashioned or in home insemination, then go to the eggs that you have frozen because we were pretty sure we can make the magic happen with those. Since the data seems to be all over the place with fertility and I'm getting information from here and there and there and everywhere and I'm just guessing a lot. I just, I want her to reiterate one more time these days, what are the numbers? What are we looking at? Just give me the rundown one last time. And I'll just go with that. Really, the chance of pregnancy in your 20s, you know, if you're trying truly unprotected intercourse for a year, you have like a 95% chance in your 20s. In your 30s, early 30s, it's like an 88 to 85% chance. And then after 35, um, it goes down slightly to like 82%. And around once you're about 40, it's, it's like, I think it's between uh, 50 and 64%. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have quite a good chance up until 40. That's sort of the turning point where now, now we're, if we get below that 50% threshold, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it's less than 50, 50. So now we're kind of saying it's less likely that you would get pregnant after 40. Mm -hmm. um, I think women should be I think they should be advocating for themselves so that they are trying to get pregnant and have a family naturally before it's going to get more difficult. So that would be in their 30s, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think it's okay for women to sort of be sh striving towards their career and to find the right man right. because the likelihood of them getting pregnant is pretty good. Yeah. The only thing that we don't know until you start trying is do you have conditions that would affect your fertility 
um, like endometriosis or PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome? Have you had STDs? Here's where I ask her lots of important questions about PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, and blocked fallopian tubes, conditions that make it harder to get pregnant. But I have to save time because this episode is jam-packed, so I'm going to just post this whole section on my Patreon page for free because it's really important and I really want you to listen to it. So please go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast to learn more. Here's a brief, very, very, very brief overview. You may have PCOS if you have painful periods, irregular periods, facial hair growth, and you should ask your doctor about these things. Endometriosis is when the endometrium is shedding on the outside of the uterus rather than on the inside, and it's going into your abdomen. This happens near the ovaries and the fallopian tubes, and it could cause an inflammatory response, causing scarring of the ovarian tissue and the fallopian tubes, and potentially causing plaque to get caught in the fallopian tubes. All of this can be very painful and can, of course, lead to infertility or difficulties getting pregnant. Another way fallopian tubes can get blocked is scarring from STDs like chlamydia, and gonorrhea. To find out if your tubes are blocked, docs can do an HSG test, that's histosalpingogram, where they squirt some dye up inside of you, and then if it doesn't flow in the fallopian tubes, then they're blocked or something like that. Anyway, Chloe says that they encourage couples to have as much sex as possible after an HSG test because the test itself can actually loosen up any blockages. I asked her if the doctors ever go in there and manually clean out the fallopian tubes. Is there a real way to open up these really tiny tubes? Uh, I don't really think so. There's not a lot of surgeons that would go in and actually try to um, dilate the tubes. You'd think you could do that, but I'm it thinking seems like I'm not it, a like surgeon. a plumber. Like yeah, you, right. you snake it out. <laughs> Ruder. Yeah, yeah, call Mike Diamond's plumber. Plumbing. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you some questions about what I can do to get pregnant because I'm there. I'm ready. And I'm a little worried that I'm behind because I I started taking prenatals a month or two ago, but they were making me nauseous, so I stopped. And um, now I'm now I'm like shit. That was a, that was a mistake. I should have kept taking them. So I've I've narrowed it down to two guys. So then we get into my plan a little bit. I give her the, all the details and I ask her like, what's the best course of action for me? What should I do? How do I make this happen? With timing. With... Help me. So I do have, I definitely have to wait a month at least. And for them to get their testing done. Yeah. But I'm just like, ah, I want to go out on the street right now, grab the first guy I see and get this process started. Cause now I'm scared that it's going to take me a year. Oh, I don't know. I want to, I want to get started. That's all. It might take. So the chances of achieving pregnancy, like I said, is between like say 50 and 64%. Mm. Um, when you're over 40, but that's, that's cumulative over the course of one year. Yeah, I know. Um, and that actually, that rate goes up if you try for two years. Uh-huh. Um, but once again, those eggs are getting older, the quality and the quantity are diminishing right. over time. So I agree with you, the sooner, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't say that it's all a process of your body, your mental, you mentally had to prepare for this as well. And That's mentally you needed to be ready yeah. and you need to pick the right man that, you know, would make you feel the best about this situation. And I think I might be a little woo woo, but I think you feeling really good about the man you choose has some effect on our body and the way we yeah. receive it. I like that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think being when you're ready, I think you're really ready. Mm-hmm. And once again, most people say you'll never be ready because we can always talk ourselves out of everything. But if you're feeling confident, that's only going to help you. Yeah, I am feeling more ready. I was feeling more ready until last night reading that book. <laughs> because okay. What did it say? Oh, shoot, I should go get the book. Two months before you start trying. Don't drink coffee. Don't drink coffee and alcohol and do this and that with your diet and... Um, make sure you're taking your prenatals and all that stuff and so I'm just like damn I I fucked up now I can't start for two more months or something I don't know what I I really wouldn't I wouldn't let anything impede you from going after what you want because time is going to be your biggest enemy honestly yeah so I wouldn't let something stop you from trying but if you do experience difficulty cutting out some of those toxins uh, like alcohol, um, caffeine, if you do drugs, if you do smoke, (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) (laughs) shit, any toxins, if you can eliminate them, that'd be great. So 
if we could also live in the mountain with fresh air and not be around all the exhaust fumes that we're breathing in, don't drink any water anywhere because it's all in the piping. So, I mean, you could really, you could talk yourself out of this so easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I, I think it is good recommendation and advice to give women to say, uh, you know, eliminate toxins because it might help your fertility sort of rejuvenate or be stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's no guarantee that that's the reason or that, that we don't have any real studies. There's not solid proof that this cup of coffee that you have today is going to affect your eggs in three months. There's nothing that says that. Um, it's just sort of like good, solid advice that no one would refute. So, yeah. Yeah. And my best friend is a pediatric nephrologist and um and I hadn't seen her in a while and I told her yesterday what I was up to and she was, "Are you taking your prenatals?" And, she, and I was like, "Well, I was, but then I they were making me nauseous." She's like, "You have to take those 3 months before you get pregnant, Molly. This isn't this is a big deal. This is important." So, that freaked me out too. But she said, it's prenatal. okay. You'll be okay for December, she said. You will. You will be okay. I mean, I would start taking the prenatals again, too. You want the levels to be adequate in your in your body, yeah. especially the folic acid. Right. But that's mainly because we don't know if you have a history of, say, making children with um, spina bifida or something right. where folic acid pre-conception would be the most important time to get the folic acid in. It is important. However... Um, that may not even be an issue for you. As you get older, your likelihood of miscarriage is much higher, right? It is. Yeah. So the, the average miscarriage rate is one in four. It's probably higher, but the one in four is really the miscarriages that we know that actually occur. You could have a biochemical pregnancy and not know it and just have a late period. And those are probably occurring very often. So they just don't stick. There might be something chromosomally wrong um, in the very beginnings of duplication when um, the cells are splitting and it just doesn't stick. So there's no implantation and you just get a period that might be five days late or something. A chemical pregnancy is an early, early miscarriage. It's called a chemical pregnancy because it's only really detectable through the hormone HCG, or human chorionic gonadotropin. The embryo never actually gets large enough to be seen on an ultrasound. Chemical pregnancies happen in about 50 to 60% of all first-time pregnancies. Yeah, so when you truly have a miscarriage, um, also known as a spontaneous abortion, which is a word we don't like to use, but that is the technical term, When that happens and you're going to the doctor, you've probably already had an established pregnancy. Mm. Implantation occurs about um, one to two weeks in. So you might get a little spotting at the time of your regular period when you were expecting a period. You might have a day of spotting and that was it, a short, weird period. And that might be your first sign that there was implantation, you're actually pregnant. So it occurs about one to two weeks after conception. Yeah. Wow. So once you have this established sort of pregnancy and it's growing, you wouldn't expect to have bleeding. Some women do. It's not totally uncommon. But if you have a heavy flow, you're feeling, you know, a pad every couple hours after having been told that you were pregnant, it could be an ectopic pregnancy. It could be miscarriage or it could be maybe a pocket of blood with an ongoing pregnancy. But a pocket of blood is sort of um, revealing itself maybe Uh sex or something like that. How does one know if they're having an ectopic pregnancy? And listeners, that's when you have a pregnancy in your fallopian tube, yeah? Yeah, you could have it in a fallopian tube. It's anywhere outside the uterus. Okay. So you could have an ectopic pregnancy in the abdomen. Oh my God. How does it get out there? In the cervix. You could have it in the ovary. Come on. But usually fertilization happens in the fallopian tubes. Right. So that's where the initial fertilization is occurring. And once that happens, the cells start duplicating and splitting. Right. And so sometimes if it gets stuck in the tube, that's the most common place to have an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. The only way to really know is with an ultrasound. And a skilled ultrasonographer would see a very small gestational sac in a place that is not the uterus. And so it would be outside of the uterus, usually the fallopian tubes. I have a question about, um, I've always had this image in my mind of when you start having your cycles in the beginning, your, your, your best eggs are coming to the fore and, and you're releasing those. And by the time you're 35 or 40, you're at the bottom of the barrel. 
right? But is that is that accurate? Or now that I saw this video on Ooh Genesis, um, now that I saw this video, I'm like, well, what is stopping? Why would the good ones come out first? I don't know if truly you release your best, most chromosomally normal, if that's what you define as best. I don't know if we're really releasing the most chromosomally normal uh, eggs first, but when you're younger, they are, they just are more chromosomally normal. Mm. Um, And so the quality of those eggs is just better with earlier age. So that Um, maybe later on you, they can develop chromosomal abnormalities or do those eggs inherently have chromosomal abnormalities? As you age, the quality of the egg diminishes, so they're developing uh. more and more chromosomal abnormalities. And really, it's the mitochondria that's getting older and more damaged. What's mitochondria, you ask? Well, I mean, I know you're not—you're probably not asking it out loud. You're probably thinking, what is that again? Mitochondria, I know I learned about that in bio or something. Well, luckily today I was hanging out with Dr. Marshall Seligman. Actually, we were phone banking, and this is your mid-podcast reminder to go and vote today if you haven't already, and if the day hasn't already passed, go and vote. But anyway, I was with Dr. Marshall Seligman, and I, I asked him, to explain mitochondria to me. They produce all the energy for the cell. So they take, when you have sugar and you're breaking it into energy, like instead of creating, releasing all that energy all at once, which would create a lot of heat and probably destroy everything, the mitochondria allow it to kind of break down and uh, through a series of chemical reactions, um, transfer the energy from that into other things that your body can use. Cool. Yes. So I was watching a video on spermatogenesis the other day. Sure. For you listeners, that's how sperm are made. Yeah. And I guess it's got the head and then a bunch of mitochondria and then the tail. And the mitochondria are what powers the tail. Yes. Isn't that cool? Yes. It, the mitochondria power all your, well, I probably all of your cells. I think all of your cells. Like all the energy that your cells expend is basically facilitated by the mitochondria. So as you get older, the quality of the eggs is diminishing. Um, and that's really the mitochondria is, is losing its ability to line up each partner's chromosome. So each partner is going to give a set of 23 chromosomes to combine and make 46. And the mitochondria has the job of lining them up appropriately. And so if they misalign, if they are you know, missing some sort of factor in the chromosomal pairing, that's when you can have a chromosomal abnormality in an embryo. Um, You can only really test for that once an embryo is made. And mitochondria, as you probably have read, are passed on entirely by the mom. Did you know that? Fuck. Yeah. I did not. (laughs) Because the mitochondria, so you have the mitochondria in the sperm. Right. And then they get to the egg, but then they just kind of spit their genetic contents. Right, but only the head goes in, the mitochondria and the tail get cut off. Yeah, so all the mitochondria that your kids get come from your mom, from the egg. Uh Uh-huh. So mitochondrial diseases aren't your... mom's fault. Blame the woman, as usual. (laughs) Yeah, their mom's fault. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think it's really the mitochondria is getting weaker and more degenerate and it's not able to make this fertilization process occur correctly. Yeah. I emailed Chloe later to see if there were any supplements I could take that would strengthen my mitochondria and she said that CoQ10 is a good one and hooray, I already take CoQ10. And then Marshall asked me what vitamins I was taking and I told him and, and when I said CoQ10, he goes, oh good, mitochondria. So, whew. My listeners are going to be so bored by this conversation. It's so interesting to me, but I don't know what my listeners are going to think. <laughs> they don't want it. They don't care about this. No, they just want to hear about the sex part and the blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> and the tap dancing. Yeah. You can spit. Can spit. Now, this is, is, is spit a... Um... Good lubricant? <laughs> no, 
Does it kill sperm? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, because I was because the guys when they were taking their track fertility test, a couple of them asked me if they could use lube, and I said, "Oh, they put that you they prob that probably kills it," and they said, "Can I use spit?" And I said, "Probably." <laughs> I don't think the enzymes in your saliva would have that much of effect on sperm, possibly, but there's not that much saliva as opposed to the quantity of sperm. Right. Men need to have at least twenty million sperm to be qualify in one milliliter to be normal you could still get pregnant even if you have lower numbers than that but 20 million per milliliter is the recommendation and i don't think a couple drops of spit but who knows you probably think i looked up the answer and i did but i couldn't find the answer everybody's arguing about it i think maybe the basic thing i got out of it was that if there's a lot of spit it might get in the way of the sperm and it might cause them to jiggle a little bit because they get stuck in it but it's not going to kill them. That's what I think. I, I think we would have a whole lot less people getting pregnant if spit was uh, <laughs> inhibiting. <laughs> if that was a good spermicide, that would be... Yeah, people would just be funny. spitting on each other. <laughs> spit on it! <laughs> and then somehow we got onto the topic of miscarriage again, and then we started talking about stillbirths. But then we started talking about placenta. And that's probably because of the placenta. Um Oh, God, I have to ask you about the placenta. I don't think my audience is going to need to hear this part either. But... Yes, you do. You're just as interested as I am. I don't understand it. It's in the uterine wall? The placenta is an organ. No. So you're building an organ Ugh. in addition to a baby, in addition to your whole body stretching to, like, new sizes it's never been. Mm. Um, so the placenta is, like, a thick, meaty, almost like a liver so it's got actual thickness and size. And so actually giving birth to the placenta is like on the whole nother thing, yeah. which we need to help along typically. So usually a doctor will be kind of pulling on the placenta, the cord mm. to kind of release the placenta from it's attached to the uterine wall. So the, oh, that, okay. So the umbilical cord is attached to the placenta, not <laughs> to the mother's belly button. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> It's in a, it should be in the center of the placenta, not always, but one side is the side towards the baby. Mm. Um, the chorionic side is where the umbilical cord is sort of coming off of the placenta into the baby's belly button. Mm-hmm. And the other side is like almost just raw. It's just vessels. It's very vascular and that's attached to the uterine wall. But there's all these vessels that are basically feeding your uterus with blood, oxygenated blood. And then the placenta is sort of pulling that oxygen out, but the bloods don't mix. So it's pulling the oxygen through the capillaries and it's, yeah. Um, And that the umbilical cord is awesome too, because it, it involves two arteries and one vein. So there's one large thick vein that's basically bringing blood away from the baby Uh back to And there's two arteries, very tiny, that are feeding oxygen to the baby from the placenta into the umbilical cord. It is very amazing. And that's what's giving it oxygen to breathe. The baby's not breathing amniotic fluid like a a fish. They're not, but they practice. So when babies are a little bit older, when they're in their third trimester, they practice using their lungs. So they do breathe in amniotic fluid and they breathe it out. They don't choke or anything because they really... Um, they're not, you know, they're not really using their lungs. They don't need their lungs. The closed system. Right. Right. But they do practice. And uh, I think it helps also the muscularity of their lungs, but they practice breathing so that they can actually do it once they're extra uterine. Jeez, babies are crazy. Anyway, then we started talking about twins and how sometimes they can share an amniotic sac and sometimes they can share a placenta and sometimes they can share the amniotic sac and the placenta and it's very rare, but it's a little bit dangerous and oh gosh, there's just so much to talk about. So anyway, I'm taking it out and I'm putting it in the in the, in the the Patreon for free because I want you to listen to it because it's very interesting. Let's get back to my fertility and getting me pregnant. <laughs> okay. How um with the um ovulation... Predictor kits? Is that what they're called? OPK? Yeah. How do they work? Sure. How do they work? So <laughs> typically, <laughs> typically ovulation predictor kits, they're usually trying to detect luteinizing hormone. Some brands will just be detecting um, estrogen levels and progesterone level. And so when your estrogen level gets high enough, uh, they'll say that you're ovulating. Some are a little bit better and they'll 
they'll also be detecting when you surge the luteinizing hormone. Mm-hmm. And that hormone is really only released when you're um, ovulating. So it's a better hormone to detect. Well, since I'm super rich and because I also didn't know there was a cheaper option, I went and I bought one of those ovulation predictor kits for like 60 something dollars. But then Nadine, my BFF, the one that lives in Los Angeles, not the one that lives in Washington. I have two, you know, because I'm just a really lucky person. Anyway, so uh, Nadine also gave me a bunch of ovulation test strips, which are supposed to be done in the afternoon, but the OPKs are done in the morning. So I'm testing twice a day. And then it was really easy for me to kind of figure out exactly when I was ovulating. And I figured it out. I ovulated, as you heard earlier in my conversation with Andy and Zach, and I'm feeling great. Personally, I think you would benefit greatly from my Get Pregnant Guide because it teaches you in three steps how to really focus on your personal cycle because really very few women are truly ovulating on day 14. Only 10% of women ovulate 14 days prior to the start of their next period, which would be around day 14. Only 10%. So the majority of women are not ovulating truly on day 14. 17% of women ovulate on day seven. So seven days after they start their period, they're ovulating early. A very high number. And 54% are ovulating on day 12 and 13. So just prior to the day that we've been telling everyone. Right. uh, More than half of women are ovulating like a day or two prior. So really checking your cervical mucus, I think, is a better way we are all sort of inclined to like seeing something like peeing on a stick to see if we're pregnant peeing on this stick to see if we're ovulating but i mean your body is sort of going to give you the signs with many days leading to when you're ovulating so when you have that clear very viscous um egg white sort of mucus Mm -hmm. that's really when you're ovulating and you should have plenty of sex um six days prior to ovulation day is your fertile window including Mm. ovulation day. So really five days prior and including ovulation day, that's when you're most fertile. The minute you ovulate, it's over. Trying to get pregnant with sex after you've ovulated, it's already too late. So if I see on a thing that I am ovulating, it's already too late? Um, What they're detecting is the surge. So Mm. they're detecting this level is sort of like coming up and they're seeing it now when Mm. they weren't really seeing it before. There's probably a threshold level of when it will turn on Mm -hmm. the stick. so you sh- you can have sex that day, but really the day before was just as good. Right. Um, you know, the, those six days, including the ovulation day, those are, you're so much more fertile. You just want to make sure that sperm is available when the egg does ovulate. Gotcha. You don't really want now, sperm better... to now be available once you've ovulated. Now, yeah. I won't be having sex, unfortunately. So, right. <laughs> so do you think that I should have uh, my donor um, doing it, putting it in a cup every day for the first for five days before, six days before I ovulate or and trying to do it every single day? Or should I let him get a whole lot built up and do it two or three days before? So new studies show that men, it, they are not improved with waiting. Um, so if they inhibit ejaculation, if they don't ejaculate, if they're abstaining, you're not getting more sperm in that one go. In fact, the sperm are, you're going to have a lot of dead sperm. So studies are showing every, if you're really attempting to get pregnant, Mm -hmm. having sex every day, Mm -hmm. or if that's too much, every other day is just as good. So every day is just as good as every other day. I mean, you're just making me want to have sex now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I said, I won't be having sex. Are you understanding me? I can't well, have sex. <laughs> well, you can. You really I know, can. I know. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> so I think it's going to be really important for you to maybe be checking your cervical mucus and also doing ovulation predictor kits because the yeah. you know double whammy doesn't hurt. Right. And just kind of seeing: Are you ovulating before you uh, would? suspect you would be ovulating based on like your period dates and your right. calendar. Yeah. Um, cause kind of knowing what your cycle is doing naturally, you don't want to lose that sperm potentially yeah. or another month go by. Yeah. Um, so I think that get pregnant guide would be really helpful. Ovulation predictor kits are going to be really helpful. Um, and, and cervical mucus, cervical mucus is, I mean, that's a better predictor than temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and sometimes ovulation, faulty ovulation predictor kits, which yeah. they really don't work for women that have like polycystic ovarian syndrome. They're not great for that. They're very expensive. Yeah. So, I mean, I like what's free, easily available, um, and it helps you know your body better so that you're more in control than reliant upon this kit that you might have to do between 10 and 2, 2 p.m. You know, like, I think there's too many rules. It's now, better. when do you check your cervical, cervical mucus? Does it have to be a certain time of the day, or is it just... It really doesn't have to be. Picking a specific time that you can stick with would be great, like a more consistent time. Not checking it when you've had intercourse, uh, because... It's not surprising that semen and clear ovulation cervical mucus look almost exactly the same. I mean, that's the best sort of conduit for sperm to swim through. So right. when your cervical mucus looks like semen, you're in a good place because that's really when your body is going to be the most receptive to getting pregnant. Mm. And yeah, everyone could get that guide. It really has pictures and video. It's at thepregnancyprep.com slash guide. Yes. What was uh, that again? Thepregnancyprep.com slash guide. <laughs> and that is it's a great tool. I think it's good for every woman, whether trying to get pregnant or not, but especially yeah. if you're trying. Yeah. So do you, because you're going to do home insemination, how yeah. will you know when to inseminate that precious sperm? Is this a test? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, is she quizzing me? <laughs> just making Did sure she just tell me the answer to this? <laughs> no, I am. I'm, I'm actually wondering. So, okay, really quick uh, recap of the cervical mucus. When it's egg whitey, is that too late or is that the, the right time? That's not too late. So what would happen is you can expect it to be dry and sort of white and thick the first couple of days after you have your period. It really depends on each woman. So right. some would might not even, they might skip that stage, but it's going to be dry and thick. Um, you're not going to see it so much because it's going to be more dry inside your vagina. So you're not going to really like see it on toilet paper and underwear because it's not going to be excessive. But wow. then as the, you know, another day progresses, it's going to get a little thinner. It's going to turn more of a creamy and thin, just a white, just sort of like a white or light yellow, but it's going to be thinner. And so now you might be seeing it a little bit more. And if you've been on the birth control pill, you're probably not seeing this. If mm -hmm. you're on, and you're probably not, but we are inhibiting this whole uh, natural cascade of events with birth control. So you don't see it like this, but if you're natural and just sort of letting your body do its thing, it would turn creamy. And then a day or two, it'll start to become very thin and clear and that is the time when you really should be making sure you have sex and not miss the opportunity. Once you ovulate, the next, pretty much like the next day, it's going to go back to being white and creamy. Got it. So it's a pretty short little window, um, but you haven't missed it yet. If you're getting the egg white cervical mucus, uh, that is a good time. You're potentially, I mean, we don't know the exact hour that you ovulate, but you're not too late if that's when you have sex. Right. That is the time to. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, so back to your question, what I guess I would be doing is, you know, being in close proximity to whichever of those guys is available to me and maybe hitting them up once a day for five days. If that's fine, <laughs> if that's what you think I should do based on my... Oh, I, I do. I, if I think, it's free, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. if they have, if they're not inhibited to be, you know, doing what they need to do to give you this... <laughs> specimen I and they won't be obviously because they're men um, <laughs> absolutely because the really that's what we would tell someone if they were trying to get pregnant I would say you need to try to have sex today tomorrow if that's too much than every other day so if you can sort of duplicate that in a closed not sexual system I mean I think it's a great idea the more the merrier you just want to make sure that it's there and it's fresh and that they're moving and that they're able to reach the egg yeah. when you do ovulate. So those six days would be, if you can do it every day or every other day, you'd probably be fine. Cause you know, say if it was the day before the sperm can last in your body up to 72 hours, but they're not going to be the strongest at 72 mm -hmm. hours. And you may have a lot less at mm -hmm. that point. So really like the every other day, every 48 hours is probably sufficient in order to get pregnant. Right. But yeah. And you probably only want to bother them probably for so many months. So if they, if they're right. on board to do this like every day for a week, then maybe that's all you need. But you never know, this might be a process. This could take a year. And back to Zach and Andy. I don't know, Zach, I might need to do it. You might need to do a couple of days in a row. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the 
because uh, aren't I supposed to kind of be um, no ejaculation for a few days? Right. I asked her about that. I asked her about that, and she said recent studies have shown that that's not that's not true. That you're just as potent in every twenty four hours. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a single man, and so I can't be planning that far ahead. You Hell know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you even going to be around the last weekend of November? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not traveling in November, so. Okay. Yeah. Really and, good. And, and when, when and if that process happens, that at your place? Like, okay, oh. so this is where it gets weird, Zach. I mean, I think, like, we could do a couple different... I mean, we're not going to a clinic, because I'm, I'm trying to not spend any money. So we could yeah. do here and you could have the house and and to yourself and i would go for a walk maybe amanda would be here and we'd go for a walk <laughs> <laughs> or um yeah, let's get as many people involved as <laughs> but you could have the house for yourselves give us a ring and then we'll come back and then you leave and um and then and then i'll take over what if i uh, just jerk off in my car on Works for me. Works for me. Whatever you're, wherever you get off best. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is great. Um, okay, cool. So then I asked Chloe about the best foods to eat for fertility. Do you eat fish? Yeah. Good, because the omega three fishes, salmon especially, is they say three times a week. It's okay, just really I'm in. Expensive. Um, oh, good. <laughs> but what about when you're pregnant? Aren't you supposed to not eat fish or to stay away from anything that might have mercury? What's the story with that? You do want to limit your mercury intake, and so you really don't want to be having uh, a ton of high mercury fishes like swordfish, um, orange roughy always comes up. I don't think I've ever had that. That's my you favorite. Can... <laughs> <laughs> you can also have a can of tuna, but you'd want to do one a week. Mm. And if you did really love your tuna, you light tuna has less mercury. Shrimp is okay. There's a whole list. I go through all of that in my courses. Oh, you well, do? To, okay. I do. I, oh, I I'll, love that. I should give you access to that because you deserve it. <laughs> Me? Yes. Honestly, Chloe, I would love that. <laughs> I, you're a real researcher, so I think you would really enjoy it. It oh goes through gosh. the entire nine months. So if you start what? out now with it, it's really I'm going to cry. I know what that's worth. That is so oh. amazing. You <laughs> of have course, no idea. No <gasps> well, uh, well, listeners, you better hit her up. Seriously, everybody, that is so generous. Hit this woman up. She's nice. Another thing is Down syndrome does yeah. increase with advanced maternal age. Most women know that. But- you know, it's I'm struggling with the idea, that idea now because my I always thought, you know, oh, I'll I would have an amnio, and if if my child is Down syndrome, I'd probably but now that I'm getting closer to this you know to pregnancy I'm like I can't imagine that I would want to do that I think it's even harder when you're actually pregnant yeah you know even though we're talking what you think now this is your mind and your body um I think when you're actually pregnant and going through it all and the hormones of pregnancy makes it 10 times worse I think to make a decision because I know you have to think, I would have to think about what I would be able to do for this kiddo and what kind of life I'd be able to give them. And being also a single mom and the child not having siblings to take care of them when I'm gone. I don't know. Well, potentially you could have siblings. Would you do this twice? Oh, totally. <laughs> would that be round two of the podcast? <laughs> Season two. <laughs> Uh, each season you is gonna... like 120 episodes <laughs> that's okay mm-hmm. would you are you potentially going to record every aspect of pregnancy think, maybe even birth i think pregnancy and birth and then baby time privacy i think yeah and plus there's a lot of people that i haven't interviewed yet people that want to talk about their co-parenting that they've got going on i don't know just more stories and more interesting people that other people can learn from sort of make this topic more day-to-day rather than stigmatized. Right. I think you're doing a, a really great service to women. You're really paving the way for a lot more open discussions, maybe even in the media. I think it's great, and I I thank love you. this podcast, and you make it so fun. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's a fantastic <laughs> podcast. Um, 
have have I answered all your questions? Yes, so Chloe, I feel um, you have answered all of my questions. I want you to tell me and tell all of my listeners where we can find you. Definitely. So you can find me at thepregnancyprep.com and you can pick up a copy of the Get Pregnant Guide where you can check your own cervical mucus and see videos and pictures of what that looks like and have a clear plan on getting pregnant. That's at thepregnancyprep.com slash guide. And for your listeners, I will give you a 10% off code off of birth class, which mm. includes 12 lessons on preconception, pregnancy, delivery, and breastfeeding. It's a whole all-inclusive package. And that code would be SPERMCAST. Yay. So use the code SPERMCAST for 10% off. Yay. That's perfect. That's perfection. Well, guess what? Chloe contacted me afterwards and she said, you know what? I don't want to do a 10% discount. I want to do a 20% discount. That's such an awesome discount, everybody. I've already started taking it. It's super informative. I've already changed a couple of things in my diet, a couple of my vitamins. I've got more vitamins to buy. I'm, I'm really liking it. And as you know, I figured out my ovulation. So thank you so much, Chloe. And everybody, you know what to do. Put SpermCast in when you check out on Chloe's website, thepregnancyprep.com. I think their fertility is actually better than what the media is telling them. But that doesn't mean women shouldn't be taking all the efforts they need to take in order to get pregnant. If they want a family, then sometimes there is no good time. And sometimes you're financially never going to be ready. And, um, you know, what would be harder on you if that's truly what you want is to wait too long and too late. And then it's, and then it's not only a crazy financial burden, but then it's an emotional one too. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're making it more known by this podcast so that women can actually, you know, see, well, what, what would happen if I was single at 40 and wanted a baby and this is what would happen. So yeah. maybe, you know, if they're, if they're only 30 years old, maybe they'll kind of, who knows, it could change their whole life. I think that people just talking about it and making it not a weird subject is the be just the beginning of what we can do to just be ready for this scenario. Yeah. I mean, and it's also, there should be no stigma really on self-chosen single motherhood. Oh, yeah. I think that's kind of coming up to be an even more normal option. And I think just letting women know that that is an option. You don't have to wait around for the man. Yeah. You really, as long as you have access to some um, willing and uh, functional, functional and also, you know, consenting sperm supply, right. then really you can do this on your own and yeah. do yeah. whatever makes you happy and what you really want. Yeah. I think that is important. But yeah, I think we've looked at older women, which 40 is not even old, but we've looked yeah. at them thinking, well, they have no other options. And that's not true because there are other options. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Molly. This was wonderful. Thank you, Chloe. Oh, I had a great time and I learned so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. I'll talk to you Bye, later. Molly. Bye, Molly. Well, heck, you guys, this has been such a fun and informative episode for me. I hope you enjoyed it, too. But if you're dying to get back to some less educational, less vaginal content, tune back in next week when Amanda and I interview the ex-love of my life, Dan. Don't forget, if you want to listen to more of the in-depth stuff that Chloe taught me, which I strongly suggest you do, go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast, and I'll post it all for the public to see for free. Again, she talks about endometriosis, PCOS, blocked fallopian tubes, twins, different diets. It's very, very, very informative. I'm also going to post the rest of the interview with Andy as a freebie, and I'll release the interviews with Zach and Alex, which have been up on the Patreon for a couple weeks at the $2 level, and I'll make sure that you can all see those for free too. Speaking of Patreon, thank you so much to my new subscribers, Heike, Martin Garrow, and Eliza Hoskins. You sweetie pies, I love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are now at 307 bucks. Anyway, if you want to reach out, send me an email at spermcast at gmail.com. Give me a call or send me a text at 323-741-1818 and fly me all over social media at spermcast. I'll post links to everybody from this episode's social media accounts in my show description, but definitely don't forget to check out Chloe's website, thepregnancyprep.com, and don't forget, if you want to purchase any of her courses, enter SpermCast at checkout. Okay, I'm off to go vote now. I love you. Goodbye. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball, from gay to straight, black to white, tiny ass with an underbite, I just need
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 